Hey, good evening. Welcome, everybody. Tonight, I have a special guest. Lynn E. Smith is here, and she has been on the platform before, but it was a different type of setting. So today, I'm, I, will, I will say that um, the last time she was on the platform, that was more of her hobby. This is her. <laughs> this is this would be um, I would consider her her life, what she does, her passion, one of her passions, um, something that um, before we even went live, we were about to just start talking. And we would have been sitting here talking. We probably would have been sitting here talking for a couple of hours. Yes. So what's going on, Lynn? Hi, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much again, Q. I want to just thank you um, for allowing me back on your platform. I was honored when you asked me to be a part of Women's Month and this segment. And again, I salute you. Thank you for all that you're doing in radio. Thank you for us up and coming voices that have a platform to come to and talk and share. And I'm just believing that great things are in your future. And thank you again. Well, I, I definitely appreciate the kind words and of course. One of the one of the things is that Women's Month is only unfortunately only 31 days and I'm not able to really do what I want to do, mm-hmm. but I do as much as I can. And you know, sometimes we need to highlight what I would always consider the, the our everyday stars, our everyday champions. Absolutely. And this gives me the opportunity to do it at least, you know. Once mm-hmm. a year, you know, sort of say, right, right. But um, you can do it really and truly. You, there's no, there's no rules to this game. You can do it as often as you would like. Okay, <laughs> so I'm here for it all. So, Lynn, yes. we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. Before, let me turn okay, this down. Okay. Turn that down. So, explain to us um, who you are, where you're from. Um, what you do and everything with your advocacy and your counseling. Okay. So I'm, I'm originally, I'm a Cali girl. I'm originally from California, born and raised in Inglewood, California. Woo woo. I'm sorry. Um, but (laughs) my, um, I always knew that there was something different about me. Um, I've always been a leader. And I knew that at a very young age, I'm the youngest of five children or five, uh, yeah, five siblings. And there was always this leadership or this kind of like, I'm the boss kind of thing. But at times my family had to learn how to curve that and point that in the right direction. And when I got it, I got it. And I just knew at an early age, I was here, put here on this earth to do something and to do something great. And it all started with me growing up in Inglewood, the church I went to, me and my friends to this day are solid as a rock. We've been friends since like babies, five years old. I grew up singing in the choir all of my life. That's where it all started. And um, we used to go and sing like in the jungles and Wilmington Arms and like all the projects in the neighborhoods all over L.A., everywhere. And we would set up microphones and we would have amplifiers outside and our whole entire choir would just sing. We would go passing out tracks to people in the neighborhood. We would sit and talk to the gangsters and all the people, you know, everybody, the dope dealers, we would be out there just out there telling them about God. 
And they was like, man, y'all so dope. You know, y'all good looking young folks. Y'all still love God. Y'all stylish. They was like, how can we be down? So we had a lot of people start coming to the church. As a result, that was like a witnessing tool for us. And I love to see people's lives being changed. And I just love that we as young folks gave people a fair opportunity, like people that were our peers. We didn't judge them. We met them where they were. It was a gang of them. You know, we didn't smoke back then. We weren't drinking, but we would approach them. They would be smoking. They would be drinking, doing whatever. We like, hey, what's up? Y'all want to come to church tonight? Our choir is singing. And they would come. And as a result, a lot of them, their lives would be changed. So when that happened, I was like, we're on to something. And then it became a commission. I was commissioned, I felt, to do it in my life. How can I keep expounding and growing and evolving as an outreach-driven person, reaching out to those that may not necessarily come to church, but me meeting people where they are? And it just literally started growing and blossoming from there. And then eventually, as I grew up as an adult, you know, a woman, I started really having a heart to service women. So that's where I got my start. Wow. Well, so let's just say mm-hmm. you 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 are, uh, and, and I always call it a, a, a touchy subject, mm-hmm. relationship, marriage, um, therapist. How how did that come about? How how did um you you gravitate towards that? Okay, so let me give you another snippet of my life. I was a senior pastor's wife, and I was somewhat thrust into it because okay. as a leader, people come to you, you know, and I was over our win our women's ministry, and I was over our teenage ministry. And I was connected to a lot of the Christian-based and faith-based organizations in my neighborhood. So as a result, I always saw myself leading and talking and people feeling like they can come to me and be safe. So I did it for free for so long. After I stepped out of that role as a first lady, I still felt that call on my life. I was like, this is something I can't shake. I'm super, super, I believe in family and I believe in relationships. Even though my first marriage didn't work, I still did not allow that situation to taint me or make me feel as if I could never be loved again or that I could never love again. That Mm. just was not the person for me. That's how I look at it. And the beauty that came out of the union was my daughter. But I said, I'm not anti-marriage. Even though my marriage didn't work, I want to be God, a vessel to those that are in relationships, to let them know the pitfalls that I encountered and that they can avoid, or that there is nothing that can be done that can't be resolved if two people come together on the same wavelength and the same mindset and have a level, you know, playing field and can meet each other with, you know, the same type of connection to say, hey, This is worth fighting for. This is worth saving. So I said, I need to go to school. I need to get at least master's level credentials and get some certifications under my belt so that I could be able to assist people in their time of need. So we we were having a conversation Mm -hmm. behind the scenes, and we know that um, 
the pandemic was a very trying time for for a nation, a people, peoples, couples, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And we and um we saw a lot of relationships uh really get tested. Yes. What 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 would be your thoughts like what brought that about? Was it you know, now we have to deal with each other. I'm Absolutely. not going to work. Ex- explain Absolutely. how how you seen <clears throat> that dynamic really make people learn who they were married to or, or in a relationship with. Absolutely, you hit you hit that thing on the head right there. Um, a lot of couples have learned to just function in their space that they've created. I've said for the longest, and I still say. People have learned to function and dysfunction. They've learned to make abnormal things normal. So right, wrong, or indifferent, this is my stuff. At least I know what I got. You know, you hear people say that. I'm not starting over. I'll just stick with what I got. Pardon me, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is a healthy dynamic or relationship. And to your point, when people had, when the world shut down, I think we all kind of came to grips with who we were and who we were not. Mm. And as it pertains to relationship, a marital relationship, or for even those that are, you know, companions that live together, people really saw who they were married to, for real, for real. Because normally when we're in our everyday life, right, we're walking through life, we're going through life and we're doing what we do. And most couples are like two ships passing in the night. They're not in each other's face all the time. It's like by the time they get home from work, both of them are tired. They do what they do. They eat, they go to bed, they wake up and they do the next thing. So, you know, they the next day they repeat. So I think, again, it forced people to have to live in the same common space. So you automatically find out, you know, I met I don't like you like I thought I liked you. <laughs> you know? Maybe what maybe what I was once attracted to, not so much now. Cause other things came out of it. Oh, uh, I'ma just I'm gonna, before I ask you the next question, right? And I'm gonna mm-hmm. just give you give you some some brief background on me. I I am a, a social anti-social person. Okay. So the pandemic was okay for me. It didn't it didn't affect me like that. Okay. Um so I I want to ask you as a therapist do you do you think that it was a necessary thing that happened? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm going to say this whether people believe in God or not. This system, this this world was shut down for a reason. It was an attention grabber. And it had to be interrupted because we've left some of the most important things out of the equation that should be included. We've learned to make our own blueprints for stuff. We have our own agendas. And I think it was an attention grabber It was definitely on purpose. You got to look at things as being intentional, especially when it caused for you to assess and reevaluate and reset. A lot of our lives needed to be reset 
the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, thinking you're going to get a different result, right? So we had to learn to do something different. We had to learn to live together, be together. Look at all the tragedies and the traumatic things that happened while we were glued to the TVs, whatever our choice of news was. <laughs> we saw all this stuff play out, but look how it brought so many different cultures of people together for one common denominator. Yeah. One common thing. So I definitely believe that there was definitely intention and purpose in that. You have to view it that way because a lot of us have grown. There are people that started businesses that quit their jobs and they're making more money in their field, their new field, their new line of work than they've ever made before. I definitely believe that um, one of the one of the benefits, I think that everybody looked at if you work at a nine to five, Mm-hmm. Everybody looked at their nine to five totally different than, Absolutely. and I and I was one of the fortunate ones where the pandemic didn't affect my job. Yeah, but I think that everybody looked at their job with the third eye, like, okay, mm-hmm. I realize how expendable I really am because sometimes that reality doesn't set in because you don't see it, and then right. then when you see friends, coworkers not being able to even pay their bills, you like. Wow. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. My job got me on a, a yo-yo and I can't even t- provide for myself. Right. Um. So how do you feel now? Like now, do you think everybody's back to normal and they didn't forgot the pandemic and they didn't, they didn't register those lessons that we should have learned? I think people are falling back into their old ways. You know what I mean? And we're losing touch again. I think we're losing, I think we're losing focus. And when I say, you know, just uh, we, I mean, just humankind, humanity. I think we're losing focus. And I would hope that nothing like this ever happens again in any of our lifetime or the lifetimes or the generations to come. This was, I lost so many loved ones due to COVID. I literally almost lost a brother to COVID. So, um, you know, I hope and pray this never happens again, but I pray that the lesson that we did learn is to stick together, you know, and to just be kind and thoughtful and sensitive and empathetic towards other people. And we gonna, I hope we can dig into that a little further tonight too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, let me, let me ask when you, when you're, when you're doing your work, Mm-hmm. And a couple comes to you. Give me three of the most common problems that they're having. Communication, finances, and spending time. Quality do they time. Do, do they vary from age? They do vary from age. You. Do, so I don't, I can't say that the clientele that I've seen or people that I've, you know, counseled with pertaining to marriage, I can't say that I've had older couples per se, but it's normally within my generation or younger that are encountering. So it does, it, it fluctuates. A lot of young people are still getting married very young, 
very young and they need they need to kind of hold off but you know when you think you loving your boo or your significant other you know you want to make it official and like they say with a referee with a whistle or like a referee with a whistle and go along with all these other trend you know this this stuff that they feel is 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 popular but they see it's much harder when you when you really trying to enter a relationship you don't even know what you want and when you're really young a lot of times you know, you don't even know who you are. So how can you have expectations of somebody else and you don't even have expectations for yourself? Mm. You know, speaking, speaking, speaking of our youth, do you think, um, cause I, I got married. I was, I wasn't that young, but I was, I was young enough. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a lot of younger people, one of the problems is that we don't, have counselors like really people there like you you usually have agitators Mm -hmm. when things are going when you're going through a rough patch but we're talking about people that generally want the couple to remain together that's going to give them advice and really get them to understand like you two don't even know each other yet you got to get to know who you're married to this human being and you're and you're you're taking an oath to be on a journey to to of life, like, right. do you do you think that a lot of younger people just don't understand? They totally don't get it. They totally don't understand. And you know, I would say what a lot of people, a lot of people fall into early issues or experience early issues because. We are more reactive than proactive. And I think that's across the board in our lives with a lot of stuff that we do. We don't do things. We, we, we try to go get assistance or aid when something is severe or something is on life support. We don't think in advance to say, hey, you know what? We are in lovey, lovey land right now, but let's just make sure we stay straight. Let's make sure we continue communicating. Let's make sure that we have another couple that we're accountable to that's rooted and grounded and, you know, the right stuff to where we can kind of just have those healthy conversations so that we, you know, when we do come across little hiccups in our road or whatever, or little, you know, bumps in the road, we can say, hey, you know, we can reflect back and talk to these other individuals to kind of bounce different things off of, to just kind of know that we're not going crazy and that we're not by ourselves, you know. But I think people really need to prepare in advance to have longevity in their relationships. And most people go into stuff blindly. They do it to escape whatever else they may be running from. You know, maybe they're getting married because they're looking for some type of financial stability and the person they're marrying may have that for them. Maybe they're, you know, living in the home with a whole lot of people and they just want to be in a different space that, you know, they can have a different type of experience and they just run to that. But definitely not even prepared in their mind to say, hey, you know, we're going to really be in this for a long time and we got to really plan out our lives for ourselves and People don't think like that. They just jump in and be like, hey, we're just going to figure it out as we go. That's, you know, if you already know that you're dealing with someone that has a problem with anger issues, you don't go into it and say, oh, well, you know, I think I'll be his calm or her calm. If you know that they're dealing with some stuff, 
if they're for you, they're going to be for you. You let them work that thing out. They need to do whatever they need to do to work through that. If you know that you're dealing with someone that is not good in the area of finances, you need to let them work that out because don't think that it's going to get better when y'all get together. Y'all going to have a financial disaster. All, all of a sudden, you done turned them into a great accountant and they... <laughs> Listen, I mean, you got to deal with, you know, you got to see things and take it at face value to say, hey, this is a situation that could be something that end our relationship. So let's take our time. If it's meant for us to be together, we're going to be together. But let's get the help we need so that we can have a healthy marriage or relationship. Now, when you now when you're dealing with um, us, <laughs> middle middle aged people. Middle-aged people, and I always call it, this is our second childhood. Um, right. Most of our kids are grown. Most of us are like, you know, been married one or two times. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I'm, you know, we start to see our mortality is getting shorter. And it's like, I want a relationship. I want to meet somebody that's going to mm-hmm. treat me right. To really basically spend my last days with them. Whether right. it's twenty years, thirty years, forty years, we'll have a long. What do you think? <laughs> I always look at certain people and what they say about um, what they uh, what they what they call them a quality man or a quality woman. They come up with these phrases. <laughs> what What do you think? Not is the problem, but what do you think is the biggest hurdle? for the middle-aged person looking for their ending relationship? I'm going to be honest with you. I believe a lot of it has to do with unrealistic expectations. That's the hurdle, you know, because prime example, let's, let's have a moment of transparency. Okay. For me. So prime example would be maybe a person endured one thing and a marital or a long-term relationship before, whether it was them dealing with somebody that, you know, infidelity, it could be maybe they had someone that was abusive, whether it'd been physical, you know, verbal, whatever. Um, We come with all of this trauma baggage and we just have it in our hands and we have this position and this attitude like the next one ain't going to do that. I ain't letting the next one do that. So we already start having all of this. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we ready. We ready. We got, attitude. we got the boxing gloves on already. We are ready warmed up in the ring, like really ready. Like you're not going to do that to me. And literally I've said that to people before, like, nah, and uh, you're not going to be able to say that. You're not going to be able to do that. Like we come and we're so defensive and we're so um, aggressive because we feel like that other one got away with that. But I'm letting you know up front. I'm not having it. I'm not doing So we come with all of this stuff. You haven't even given the other person, an op- the new person, an opportunity. Like literally Music Soul Child had a song. I'm not the one to blame, you know from the mistakes from the other previous guy. Like, why, why are you blaming me for that? Why I got to pay the, you know, why am I doing the time for his crime? And vice versa. Women encounter that with men as well because, you know, 
from experience and just talking to men and of course having men in my life, a lot of men have gone through trauma and they have gone through heartbreak. And, you know, sometimes they can be less forgiving than women can, you know, and they come with their things. And a lot of men don't like mouthy women, mouthy women, you know, um, you smiling. Look at you. <laughs> you, you, you know, because, because even <laughs> you could say it, you could say mouthy women, right? If, yeah. if I say mouthy women, it may be. It will be taken offended. Yeah. You know, someone may be offended by me saying it, but I'm not saying it with ill intent. I'm literally saying it from me talking to like my men friends and my brothers and just men in general. They have expressed that. Like, I don't want a woman that's giving me a whole lot of I just don't want that. I just don't want it. You, you know, and you have a question in the chat here. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Is that because we aren't healed before going into the next relationship? Absolutely. That whoever, I can't see because the screen is so small, but whoever wrote that question is absolutely fantastic. And they're touching on something that I actually wrote down this week as I was just thinking like, you know, what can I share that could be helpful to someone? And to the point of the question that was just asked, we have not healed from the inside out. Mm. We have to heal from the inside out. What does that look like? Do we even know what that looks like? Do we know what that feels like? We know how to dress up so well. We know how to spray on the right type of cologne and perfumes, have our hair right, have our lashes right, have the right type of clothing, the right type of car. We have all of these like exterior things or the aesthetics of things that look great. They look amazing. But the inside is so messed up and traumatized and not trusting and, and, and feeling unworthy. You know what I'm saying? Some people that go through stuff and trauma, they feel like, was I deserving of that? Because they've experienced it in every relationship dynamic. So they start feeling like, maybe this is what I'm supposed to receive. And it's so true. So many people are walking around traumatized, thinking that this other person. So that leaves you as a broken individual. You're expecting for another traumatized person to come and get your trauma in order. That's not going to happen. You're going to have two traumatized people that keep blaming each other for each other's downfalls or what, you know, all this stuff. And you're never going to get to where you want to be. Up until a few years ago. I used to always say that um, a man's vulnerability mm -hmm. gets weaponized. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't. I'm not going to say I don't believe that. Now, I just say that if, if you're a certain man and you know you, you're vulnerable in certain areas, you got to live with your truth and be like, you know what it is, what it is. Right. But now, you know, most men feel just from you know, talking to other brothers and, and listening to it, that if they're, they're totally vulnerable, the woman that they love, mm -hmm. she may not be receptive of it. She may, you know, she may come from a, a family of a, a rough guys, rough brothers, and she <laughs> may be like, man, you a punk. I don't want to hear that stuff. Right. And um, he may feel like, dang, I can't even be weak or I can't have a moment of emotionally bankrupt around the woman that I love. 
in understanding that dynamic in you in in say if you're having a session, how do you try to get a woman to understand that this man has emotions? You know, I try to encourage couples to really try to get to know each other, what your triggers are. Try to be more accepting of one another's vulnerabilities. Don't use it as leverage against that individual because it takes a lot for people to share with you how they feel when they finally get to that place. And I believe that it is a part of what and how we have been taught. Like a man's been taught, you don't cry. That's a sign of weakness. Stop being a punk. And so now, because that's been ingrained in the mind of our men, our women identify with those trigger words. So when they see that, because they've heard their mothers say that to their brothers, they've heard their grandmothers say that to their uncles. So now they've taken on the things that's been ingrained in them. So it puts them in this space to where they have no grace for their mate. So it's like, take away and strip away all and unlearn, at least try to unlearn what those bad things or that bad way of thinking, that stinking thinking that's been instilled in us to try to understand each other as individuals and humans. Let your man lay in your chest and cry. Now, if he's crying every day, <laughs> we don't have to have another conversation. Listen, okay? I, can, I uh, listen, I, um, Support and gaming. Let me know how old you are. I, I don't. I'm before. I'm gonna ask Lynn the question, but support and gaming. Just let me know your age. He said he's a supporter of the show. Really, really mm-hmm. tunes into most of the shows we do. Mm-hmm. He said, "Is it wrong for me to say that I prefer being single?" Um, support and gaming. Let me know how old you are because I, I really believe that a lot of the, a lot of the, Lynn, a lot of the thirty and mm-hmm. under. Mm-hmm. If you listen to them, they don't believe in traditional marriage. They don't. Right. They're just like when I mean fluid. Life is fluid. It's like whatever. Right. Um, right. Do you think that Dave had? Why, why do you think that is? You know what? I just believe it's the times that we're living in. Like, there's a lot of options, right? People have more options now. You know, we have. You know, when we look at society you see 10 women to one man like it's it's you know and and vice versa like there are many options and a lot of people i've literally heard men say that are in my life i'm good i don't want to get married i know too many people in my life that's divorced i'm good so to the young man's question that's in the chat you are not wrong to want to be single I commend you for that. And I would say, if you meet a young lady or if you already have a special young lady in your life, you need to be upfront with her and let her know that, that you don't have intentions of marrying. You want to date. I 24. 24. Oh yeah. You are a very young man, very young man. So I would say, enjoy your single life. If you decide to get married down the road, Make sure that you're ready because I would encourage anybody to stay single. Don't mess up nobody else's life if you're not ready. 
don't bring those ways of trying to, oh, well, I'm going to get rid of people as I go once I lock this one in. No, you know, get your running out, do what you feel you need to do that makes you happy. I, I don't think it's anything wrong with you being single at all. I would say just be honest and let a young lady know or, you know, whatever your preference, you let them know, hey, I'm not ready to settle down. I just want to have fun. If that's what your intention is, if she willingly says, okay, that's what I'm looking for, then you go for it. But you don't want to mislead anybody. And I think that that was a very bold you know, question to ask. And I commend you for it. It's okay. If you choose to be single, however long, however long, don't let people condition your mind to believe that you won't be successful in your life if you're locked into a relationship. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, <laughs> I, I always, do, do, and I say this with all due respect to the younger people, the younger people, I think that those older people need to listen to them a little bit mm -hmm. more. Because they're, tell they're telling us a lot about how they view the world. Yes. And sometimes we're just judgmental instead of mm -hmm. just listening to what they're saying. And how they view the world is not wrong. It's just a different different angle. And Absolutely. they might be on to something when they, when they, how they view the world. Um, Absolutely. Very, very transition and very fast paced. Absolutely. And, so forth. and just one more thing. I do believe that a lot of people are afraid to be alone. A lot of people are afraid to be alone. They they long for some form of companionship. And even if that companionship is not good, if it's not healthy, some people, they just, they'll stay in something just to say I have a significant other or because they're, again, used to operating in a dysfunctional space, they make it functional. They make abnormal normal. That becomes their thing. Yeah, because because us middle aged people, we trying to get it right. <laughs> <laughs> but it got it has to be right. You know what I'm saying? I have another, um, you know, a group of ladies that I, I I launched this back in 2021, and it that it's a group of my single friends and other friends of theirs. We get together quarterly. Well, we were getting together quarterly. We haven't did it in a long time, but it's called single and not but not settling. And I just believe that at me being a woman of a particular age, you know, um, I'm not hard up to be with anybody. You know what I mean? Um, I know what I want in my life and in my space. And I'm and, that, and, and you know, Lynn, that, that's that's the um the one thing that I do believe us at middle age, mm -hmm. if you listen to what the middle age people are saying is they're saying, like the uh, the statement here, I mm -hmm. like my solitude. I like my yes. peace of mind. I just, <laughs> you know, I just want to really, I just want to go to work and take care of my family. Don't mess that up. Don't yes. come in. Don't come in. Uh, waste waste my time, so to say. Yes. And it's like, why even bother if I know you're going to waste my time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'd rather just be, be, by, myself. Yeah. be by myself and just chill yeah. and yeah, you know, be alone. And, and, and it's and it's funny because that yeah. I think that's what most of us realize as we start aging is peace of mind is priceless. Oof. 
Gee whiz. Listen, <laughs> I will take peace any day. And it's so interesting because I tell people all the time, we have to get to a place to where how we are protective of our children and our family, that we become protective of our personal space and our peace, our peace of mind to where you are not allowing people and things to come and cause disturbances and interruptions in your life. It's not, it's not peace is too valuable. It's priceless. And you have to just, you got to kind of like just become forceful with that. Like, uh-uh. I don't care how much you make my heart go boom, boom. If you come in a different way, <laughs> you making my space like disturbed, that's a problem. And you have to, you got to go, you got to exit. So, I mean, I think that once we take on that mindset and just protect our space at any cost, I think we'll be so much more whole and happier. Eagleman, the gentleman said, that's 24, <laughs> he said, People always been telling me that it's not good to be alone. But from what I've seen and observed from others, I, I take being single over being in a relationship that's hell. <laughs> so I will say this. I'm going to live a that, long, prosperous life. <laughs> right. But see, there's different levels to this. So we do need human relationships to evolve as humans and people. But I don't believe that you have to be in a relationship. That's just me. I, again, I think that people, you know, we do need people around us to help us, you know, flourish in life and, and move forward. And we learn and glean from each other. But when it comes to romance, this is just my personal opinion. This is not Bible. So, you know, I'm not forcing my thoughts on anybody. This is just my opinion. I just don't believe that people should be forced to think that that is the only road to success and being happy in life by having a mate per se. Do we desire? Most people do, but it's nothing wrong if you don't desire to be in a marital relationship or a long-term relationship. Some people relationships or long-term relationships are not for everybody. Again, I think, whoever you may be casually dating, it's just fair to be upfront and honest with that person to let them know what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do as it pertains to being locked into a commitment. I have a, I have a, I have a very good friend of mine and um, when she was single, mm -hmm. her, her favorite phrase when, when God, because we, we and, and this is going to bring some more stuff I want to talk to you about, but mm -hmm. she would always, um, Ask, the first thing she would ask a guy is, what's your intentions for me? Mm -hmm. So she was like, what do you think? Do you think that's too forward? I'm like, yeah, it's forward, but look, at least you're getting it out the way now. Right. And she, and, and what her responses would always seem like a lot of guys would be tongue-tied, um, mm -hmm. not know what to say. Mm-hmm. Their intentions, some of them would tell her like what their intentions were. And she told me, she was like, listen, I have no time to be wasting. Mm -hmm. She was like, because I, I don't, I, she was like, I can't be dealing with nobody that's going to waste my time. Let me ask you, the, the, this is the toughest question I may have to ask you now. Okay. Doing what you do, Lynn, 
Have you seen how has social media played a big part in the destruction of relationships? 100%. Yes. 100%. Let me elaborate. Just as individuals, social media has messed people up. A lot more people have become insecure, unsure, fearful, threatened, and they have a tendency to gauge themselves with others. Not knowing the depth of the snippet of another person's life that they're seeing. You're getting all type of people that's calling themselves experts that are speaking different stuff that are preaching or pushing hate about men versus women and women versus men. And so you you have all of these different things that are coming at you as an individual. And when you have two people that are together, sometimes that could be working. That could be a force that's working against something that's trying to stay together. And so I think a lot of people are getting misled. A lot of people are getting messed up and their mindsets are changing and becoming more negative towards the opposite sex. So it's like you find more wars going on in relationship than love now because social media. And then two, you know, you have maybe one person that have a certain amount of friends following them. So now the, uh, the, the spouse or the significant other is looking on their page and they're seeing a lot of activity. Oh, I, I see that she put too many hearts behind your picture or, you know, too many likes. And so they're, you know, it's like they're finding out that their significant others are, are living double lives, men, men and women. A lot of women and men are finding out that infidelity is in their relationships as a result of social media. Because their side pieces and folks that they're dealing with on the side, seeing their family portraits, they done been out of town. It's like, oh, so he got a family. Well, let me let her know about me. Or let me let him know I exist. So you got so much stuff that is kind of like going into, that's bleeding into re to relationships. That's just not and then And then our, then our own personal insecurities Insecure. really run wild. Absolutely. So you have social media judging your relationship or influencing your relationship. Then you have your trauma luggage and bags, you know, insecurities from, you know, that stem from when you were a child to when you were in that first heartbreak, the relationship that broke your heart. So you have all of these things that are coming at you that's working against the greater good of the relationship. So it's definitely, it can be a very negative impact. I've definitely, I have, I mean, not just clients, I've had very close friends whose relationships have been damaged as a result of social media. It's like social, it's like one of the things I noticed with social media, mm -hmm. it's like social media has really made us anti-social. Yes. Because <laughs> you don't really see people who legitimately are picking up the phone Right. And they're saying, oh, I text you, or I was under your status, mm -hmm. I said hi. You don't really hear the voice, you don't really hear, you don't really see people going to see people and saying, you know, mm -hmm. let's go out mm -hmm. and have a conversation, and it's more of, oh, I'm going to give, or I see a snippet of your life, I assume yes. that everything is well, and you're on cloud nine, so you don't, you don't want to be bothered with me no more, because your life is great. And I don't yes. post as much as you post and I don't post my family. You post your family and your great job and your car and you looking good on the weekends. And I, 
it's a lot that comes into play with it. It is. And again, I, you know, again, a lot of relationships, not just romantic relationships, but family relationships and friendships and business relationships have literally been destroyed as a result of social media. So, well, I, you know, I, you know, I, I've experienced that. And one of the things that I noticed is how hard it is mm-hmm. for people to just pick up the phone. Yes. You can advise somebody like, yo, make a call. And for some reason, the pride, our pride sometime and being able to have that difficult conversation. Oh, I'm not going to call in mm-hmm. because I know how she feels about a subject and how I feel about subject. It's going to be contentious. So I'd rather just us just have this beef going <laughs> on instead of us cussing each other out. Right getting it out and then just moving on. And and it's amazing. I've noticed that a lot of people don't, they'd rather just say, you know, mm-hmm. it's all good. I'm, I'm okay. It, you know, what's so interesting that you say that because again, I think the whole social media and texting, this whole new texting thing is, is so sensationalized to where it has taken that connection away from us and the relationships are no longer or are not as meaningful as they used to be. And I think sometimes you got to steer away from the social media and you have to steer away from texting and emailing people and have crucial conversations with people. If it can't be face to face, you get on a Zoom call or you you see the body language of that individual. Or if you can't do that, you get on the phone because I think a person's voice and their body language, when you're talking to them, you look them in their eyes because the eyes are the window to your soul. And you need to make that connection with them. And I think a lot of times things are taken out of context when you are emailing people and texting people and you're saying different things or putting subliminal, you know, messages on social media and people like, I think they were talking about me. And I've heard that so much. Like, I think they were saying something about me. Go read that. And I'm like, I'm not going on nobody's page to go read nothing. And And then you got the ones that really will say, Right. This is a subliminal post. Right. It's just so crazy. But again, it goes back to our lack or not having the ability to effectively communicate again. In one of my programs, um, we had to read a book and do a thesis on why don't we listen better? And it was so interesting because it came with a talker listener card. And in that talk and lip talk or listening card, when you're communicating with that individual, if you're the person communicating, they have the side that says listener on that listener card. It said, I am here to listen. And this is not my problem. I do not own it. And a lot of times when we're talking to people, if we're listening, we're trying to listen to respond. We're not listening to understand. So we have to get back into the mode of finding how finding out how to learn to effectively communicate with each other and build healthy interpersonal relationships, have those crucial, hard conversations, not take everything so literally and personal. You sometimes people are going to ruffle your feathers, but I always lead with love. At least I try to. It's like, hey, this may not land 
the way you that feels good to you, but know that I love you. And if I don't tell you, then I'm not being a good friend or I'm not being a good sibling. I'm not being a good this. I try to lead with love. I'm not going to always be in agreement with, I have friends and family in my life that are very strong personalities. And I am too. They say what they say. They don't mix words and they mean what they say. And it's like, I'm not budging. This is what I think. And this is what it is. And I'm the same way, but I try to be understanding when I don't even agree. And I tell people, I understand how you could feel that way. Or I can understand how, you know, that whatever has affected you in this way to where you, you know, I try to be understanding. I'm not always, you know, perfect with it, but I try to lead in my relationships and lead with love and try to be understanding and a good listener. So we just got to get back to the basics. You guys in the chat, make sure that you like, share, subscribe. And if you have any questions for Lynn before we close out, um, you should let her know she's here. She's willing to uh, assist us in any way she can. Yes. Um, can I? And I'm, can I, and I'm glad can she's I here. Really Absolutely. Quick. So this is something that I've been um, wanting to share just in general. And since I have the platform, I want to say it. Um, to the listeners and the viewers, I know that so many of everybody is going through something, right? And I just think it's so important. I pray that everybody that's listening and everybody that's reading the, the comments or wherever you may be streaming from, that you have someone to talk to, that you have someone to talk to. I was um, in this space over the weekend. And when I'm in certain spaces, God gives me creative processes and thoughts and things to talk about. The first thing that came to my mind was help. The word help. I Lynn, put it in this. I, I had to cut you. Got to cut you off for a second. Okay. This young man gave you a nice compliment. He said he hopes that he finds a woman like you. Oh, thank you so much. I take that compliment. Thank you so much. That was so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> thank you. I'm working. I'm still a work in progress. I'm evolving, but. Um, listen, I just believe with age comes more wisdom and you have to just be open to learning and admitting when you're wrong and when you need to grow, grow. Don't stay stuck. Don't make excuses for why you are where you are and have been in that place for the last 10, 20, 30 years. Change. Right. So as long as we're here, there's always room for change. Um, but back to the word help, I put it in the search and I clicked on images. And this image came up of this man holding a sign that said, help me. And there was chains on his hands. These hands were chained with a sign that said, help me. I went to another picture and it was a lady that had this stressful look like she was screaming to the top of her lungs and she said, help. And I was like, God, what is all this meaning? And what came to my mind is that this is the condition of our world right now. This is the condition of most of us right now. Even in our busy lives, doing what we're doing, we are crying out for help, but nobody is seeing us. All we see is the sign saying help. I visioned the woman that was screaming in a plexiglass glass room that was soundproof. Mm. Screaming for help, but nobody could hear her. The only way I knew she needed help was by the sign she was holding up. 
what are the signs? The signs for me, when I see people that are crying out for help, but not that, uh, let me even go deeper. Have you ever been in a dream and you felt like you was being chased and you screaming, but nothing's coming out? You crying out for help? Yeah. But it's just nothing coming out? That is a lot of people walking around right now. People that you know could be us, our own self that's crying out for help. The only way we know we need help or other people are needing help is because of the different behaviors that they are displaying. That's their cry. Example, the man that wowed out on the plane last week that was trying to open up the exit door. Somebody didn't listen to him before he had that meltdown. He could have been dealing with mental health issues for a long time. It just could be that he was at his breaking point and some people like attention, whether it's good or bad. But he was crying out for help. It was like he was holding up that sign. And the acronym that came to my mind was for help, people are hurting, they're empty, they're lonely, and they're in pain. And if that is you or somebody that you know, please don't isolate yourself. When people, when things and circumstances try to isolate you, they come to overtake and consume. Have somebody that you can talk to. Don't be that person that's holding up a sign saying, help, 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 and nobody's hearing you. Voice it out. Put the sign down and use your words. Even if it's like, I'm tired. When you say I'm tired, people know that that's a sense of you crying out for help. And I just encourage you that you're not alone. You are valuable. You are loved. You are important. There is purpose for you in this world. You are supposed to be here. I don't care who told you anything different. I just felt the need to, to, to lead tonight to say that, to encourage somebody and not assume that everybody that's listening is okay. If you're okay, that's good. Help somebody else. Check in with your people. Make sure they're good. That's what she's leaving us with, you guys. That's what I'm leaving you with. <laughs> That's what I'm leaving you with. And I want to leave a number. There is a, a suicide crisis number. You can text 988 if you're ever dealing with suicide ideation or you know someone that's dealing with suicide ideation. You can always text 988. Text that and you can get the help you need. If you're dealing or you know someone that's being abused or you're dealing with domestic violence, you can call the domestic violence shelter hotline. That number, if somebody could put it in the chat, 800-799-7233. 800-799-7233. And again, text the number 988 if you're dealing with the crises and dealing and battling with suicidal thoughts. Appreciate you guys in the chat. Glad you guys could join us. Thank you all for your time. Uh, Lynn, stay on. And okay. you guys, um, share the show. Share the link to the show. Um, very, very good show. And, 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 and I'll just say this. As a person who used to gamble, Lynn has put all her chips to the middle of the table <laughs> and gave us a great show, gave us some great advice and gave us some great inspiration tonight. And we appreciate all that she's done and hopefully we'll see her again soon. You Thank guys you take all. care. Thank you guys for joining